Tomb Stoners. I have one question. What's your favorite scary movie? That's right, baby. We're back again for another Scream. This one, Scream 4. I am one of your three hosts, Chris, and I'm joined by Miles and Josh, and this is High on Horror. What's up, boys? Hey. Salutations, my friends. <laughs> I, uh... I've been wanting to do this one for a while, and I'm really excited we're doing it because I don't think this movie gets enough love. I I think this is the the redheaded stepchild of the Scream franchise, and it doesn't deserve to be. There are worse Scream movies than this one, and I will die on oh, that absolutely. hill. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say I would say most Scream movies are worse <laughs> than this one. <laughs> I, I had a real good time. This is my first time watching this. I missed this when it came out to theaters, which I think is just kind of the problem with this movie. I think a lot of people just missed this when it came out. Yeah. Because it just, like, they didn't really, I don't feel like they hyped it up as much. And even though it had been probably, like, 10 years since there had been a Scream movie. Yeah. Let's see. This one came out in 2011, and I think the previous one was, what? 2000 2001 yeah so it had been a decade and this definitely didn't have i feel like we weren't in that era where everything was getting a like reboot and so like it did not get the hype that it deserved but i also think it was a sequel with the way that scream is and how it is it's like making fun of movie tropes kind of like and being super meta is that this came out at the tail end of everyone's burnout of horror movie remakes yeah. So it was just like, oh, another Scream movie when everyone had just been like, oh, another Halloween movie, another Friday the 13th movie, another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, I think people were just burnt out and didn't really give a shit. Yeah, I I could agree with that. And uh, I, I, I think it was not done justice because of that, and we'll get into all of this. But uh, I am stoked to talk about this one. This one was directed by Wes Craven. This is the fourth entry into the Scream franchise. Um, and this is the first one that we have social media taking the forefront of a Scream film, which I feel like could arguably be like the most potent thing that a Scream movie could have added to it. Um, out of like any slasher in terms of updating it, like the internet being incorporated with Scream is a great idea. Um, and... There's a huge emphasis on video streaming straight to online. And this is, you know, this is before really Twitch and things like that had really taken off. Even, I mean, Discord and Twitch probably were around, but not a lot of people were using it at this point. Um, yeah, this was when YouTube was getting really big. Yeah. Um, There's one point, though, where they're watching a live stream and someone points their phone at another person and it's like crystal clear. And I'm like, yeah, that was not, not how that worked. No, not. <laughs> it is always weird to take just a tiny step back in technology, like when you watch movies that are a little bit older, because it's like, oh, good God. <laughs> like, we still had that then. Like, some people have iPhones, but other people have, like, flip up keyboard phones still. And I'm like, oh, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, that one chick had a sidekick. I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, the sidekick is so. It's just so iconic. <laughs> I did feel like an old person watching this because they say something about Facebook, and then the other girl goes, yeah, you're probably right. It'll probably be on Twitter now. And I'm like, 
oh wow, I got to the Twitter game real late. Like, no, nah, yeah. I was totally Facebook was my jam in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never stopped Facebook. That's still my main one. But uh, this, you guys really have a lot to say. That's nice about this movie, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. but <laughs> but I I guess I guess before we get too deep into this discussion, let's uh, let's talk about spookiness that we've been doing this week. Spooky things that we've seen or done. Um, Josh, do you have anything spooky? Yeah, I think a good one and kind of the reason we're doing this movie is that as of this recording, a few days ago, we got the Scream 6 trailer, which looks pretty amazing. Yeah. It's definitely different. They're in New York this time around. But uh, awesome. Kirby from this movie's coming back. And I gotta say, fucking loved Kirby. I love Hayden Vanettiere. Mm-hmm. She's fucking great. She, she is, hot as fuck. bro. <laughs> this is like fresh off of her run being on uh, Heroes. That show, I think it was on NBC or ABC. And, yep. Yep. and then she was like the freaking, uh, not clear seal, but it was like... You know, some kind of like Maybelline or something, some makeup <laughs> proactive. <laughs> yeah, it probably was proactive. Woman's skin is flawless. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so spookiness. Besides Scream Six, uh, anything else? I liked the Scream Six trailer as well, Josh. By the way, I, I remember like right when we saw the first production photos, people were immediately like. Ghostface using a gun. I'm cool with him switching weapons. His knife is like based on you know practicality not out of like obsession but it's not like oh look he's got a new weapon it's like he has it for that scene he steals it from the man trying to shoot him with it and then is shooting at people but also that's the dumbest fucking thing for anyone to complain about literally every single person in every single scream movie that has ever played Ghostface wields a gun by the end of the fucking movie yeah as as a reveal that hey guess what I'm the killer time to switch over to firearms <laughs> Ghostface has literally been using guns since the original so shut the fuck up <laughs> let him know uh, yeah <laughs> other than that uh, I saw the trailer for a movie we talked about during our most anticipated movies episode came out yesterday or maybe this morning which is uh, kids versus aliens and it looks pretty fun. Uh, really, it kind of looks that was like out. it's on uh, like Psycho Gorman level. Like the production's definitely a little lower, but it looks like it'll be fun. Kids swearing and like ripping alien sets off. <laughs> Bro, you just stole my freaking movie of the week. How did you know? <laughs> That's literally know. my spooky movie this week. That's your spooky thing? Yeah. You did that to me before. You did that to me with that fucking Joe Carey uh, what's that? Spree? Yeah, you yeah. You watched Spree like the same day I watched <laughs> <laughs> Me and Josh are synced up. We're on the same cycle. Um, damn. Okay, yeah. So I, I saw Psycho Goreman. Um, oh, you did! Yeah, I, I fucking love Psycho Gorman. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. I'm actually, I think I have like twenty or thirty minutes of it left. Um, I had to pause it because I got busy with something. But yeah, it reminds me of like if Power Rangers met Hellraiser. Yeah, it's like if Power Rangers was a horror movie. <laughs> it's honestly pretty great. Uh, him turning- I want an actual one that is actually that, like a fake Power Rangers team with their robot and shit, but it's very bloody and violent. <laughs> that would be sick. I'd be cool with that. Um, 
it, it felt very campy 90s but it was it was a fun watch and uh i totally see why that's a shutter original but you know if they're gonna carve their their space out as them doing like campy b-horror that's actually got some got some positives to it i'm cool with that hell yeah miles have you seen psycho gore man i have not Oh, it's fucking great. It's basically like a Power Rangers villain became a fucking is like comes to Earth and is taking over, but a little girl finds this gem that belongs to him and she can control him. <laughs> so he's like the most evil, most powerful being in the universe, and he's being powered by an asshole little like twelve year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's so weird, but it's. I think it's so up your alley. We can do that on here. That counts as horror. It's yeah. in the horror genre. It's just not scary. The I definitely. I I would say Miles. It's right up your alley. And Hell yeah. Also, it's just a ridiculous movie that I feel like more people should know about. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. Um, other than that, uh, just really quickly, I've been playing this game with some friends called State of Decay 2, which is a zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah, I, I played State of Decay 1. Yeah, I, I did too, actually. I had it because I think they gave it to you on the Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. And um, yep. so I've been playing the second one on my PC, and it's really, really fun. It's got a cool mode that reminds me a lot of Call of Duty Nazi zombies, where it's like round to round, like waves, and you're defending a base. Um, so that's fun. And then obviously state of decay, like the, the normal game type is like open world zombie apocalypse, like scavenge for resources, build a base up, do missions, that kind of thing. Um, it's like grand theft auto plus zombies. It's cool. Hell yeah. That sounds awesome. I haven't died yet. Thankfully I got really, really, really close and you perma die <laughs> if your character dies. Like you have like a whole community of people, but like, say you train up a certain person you're like, okay, this guy's like my computer technician. Like, that dude dies, you're going to be hunting for somebody who knows how to use computers in the wasteland. <laughs> huh. That sounds awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. So, so that's pretty fun. What about you, Miles? Um, well, speaking of video games, I started playing The Darkness 2 again. You guys ever play that game? Yeah. Games no, of shit. I don't think so. Uh, it's Based off a comic book. Yeah, Garth Ennis, the guy who does Preacher. Uh, very gross. Um, I think he does... Um, that Amazon show too with the superheroes, the boys. I think that's a Garth mm -hmm. Ennis too. It's just brutality. Mm -hmm. So this game, you are a mafia boss who has the power of darkness on your side, and you have these two demon arms that grow out of your back. And instead of having grenades, it's just like Call of Duty, but instead of having grenades, you have these two demon arms that you can like grab people and rip them in half, hot dog style, and like eat people's hearts to like get more powerful. And you can like throw like you can pick up a car door and throw it at someone it'll cl cut them clean in half and stick them to a wall and shit it's Damn. fucking awesome so i've been playing that and uh other than that the day before you decided we were going to be watching scream 4 i watched scream 5 5 so, cream <laughs> yeah so uh it was a, a very distinct difference in quality between 4 and 5 having literally just watched the new one before the old one five cream or screams as some people like to call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I could, I could totally see that i think the kills in five are hardcore yeah yeah oh really i thought the kills in four were pretty fucking hardcore for this series i saw that chick's intestines 
<laughs> okay, let's let's get into it. So this, this one's directed by Wes Craven. Um, R.I.P. to a legend. For real. And then we get uh, David Arquette, Neve Campbell, and uh, Courtney Cox all back reprising their roles. We get some new faces as well. We get some uh some actually pre- pretty great actresses emma roberts and there's so many people in this movie that are people today <laughs> yeah for real um and hayden Pan- panettiere is that how you say yep. something like that um but who who else is notable in this i mean i know allison brie is in it um from that community. was a real shock i was like holy shit allison brie's in this community must have just ended yep oh <laughs> yeah. oh my god anthony anderson i forgot he's in it mm-hmm um, yeah, his his friend is uh, Adam Brody from the OC. Oh He's also God. one of the uh, one of the Shazams and Shazam. Oh, cool! I, I love Adam Brody so much. All of the girls from the beginning two fake intros. You got the girl from oh, Pretty Little Liars. Dude. You got Anna Paquin and uh, what's her name? Uh, girl from Frozen. <laughs> Jessica. I love no. her. No, that's not. It. I'm, <laughs> I'm super. They have so many pe- famous people right in the beginning. Like, don't they have the girl from uh, the blonde from Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah, yeah that's her. from the one from Frozen. What's her name? Um, I know it too. It's driving me crazy. She's married to Dax Shepard, which is super. Kristen weird. Bell. Kristen yes. Bell. Yeah, everybody loves Kristen Bell. Everybody loves Kristen. Veronica Mars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, then we Rory see. Culkin. Yeah, there's a sneaking and a Culkin in here. I thought it was Kieran for a minute, but I'm like, he looks a little weird. <laughs> I love Kieran so much. I'm they watching... all got that distinct Culkin face. <laughs> I'm watching Succession right now, and Kieran Culkin's one of the highlights of the entire show. I didn't realize this wasn't that guy. There's two of them? I guess yeah. three of them? Yeah. Oh, my There's God. a whole squad of Culkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh... Dane Sing- Farewell still on The Voice this whole time. Wait, who is? His name's Dane. Ghostface Voice. Dane Farewell. He does all the Ghostface voices in all of them. Oh, gotcha. Um, and I think that's everybody, right? I don't think there's anybody else in here that's going to jump out at me. Cop Lady. Cop Lady from Bubble Boy, who's in part five. <laughs> from Bubble Boy. Uh, that's what I know her the most from. She's Bubble Boy's girlfriend. <laughs> Officer Judy. Yeah, Deputy she's the Judy. best. She's fucking cute too. <laughs> Officer Judy could get it. Yeah. <laughs> Sign uh, me up. I got a boyfriend application right here, Officer Judy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you can make me lemon squares any day. <laughs> Fuck Dewey. It tastes like ass. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think the implication is that Officer Judy is actually trying to sleep with Dewey, or is it just that? Gail's jealous because she never like really makes a move on him she's oh, just nice to him Judy's definitely trying to fuck yeah <laughs> she's definitely down DTF she's trying to move up that ladder bro <laughs> dude I... she just seems like a goofy nice person though like she never there's never that revelation where it's like oh Gail was right they don't give it to you because you know Dewey's about about that Gail Weathers life that's true doesn't she look at Dewey in the fifth one like oh hey it's good to see you. <laughs> yes. I do find it weird that none of them really aged between three and four, but they all aged between four and five, and it's the same amount of time in between. Who's the plastic woman? What's her name? 
Courtney uh, Cox. Courtney uh, Cox. Courtney Cox. She yeah. can still show facial emotion in this one. Which yeah, is she looks cool. great in this one. I think she looks. This is one of the best she's looked. <laughs> yeah, she like. But in five, yeah, she's a goddamn Barbie doll. I looked very closely. I watched five pretty closely, and she can't. She has the same expression on her face in every scene. She can't show emotion on her face anymore. So this is yep. one plastic surgery away from losing all feeling in her face. <laughs> I, so. I think that the legacy characters being in this one actually works compared to five. I think that's one of the things that I really like about this movie is that they feel like they fit the story that's being told. Whereas five feels like they had to shoehorn them in. Like, I agree. To be- well, yeah, cause they're, but they're actually trying to have them still be the main characters in this movie. Yes. Like well, the, the new characters yes. are still kind of background characters. Like they want you to believe that Jill which I find it hilarious. Her last name's Roberts in this movie. <laughs> She's played by Emma Roberts. But they act like, oh, Jill's the new Sydney. She's going to be the new Sydney. Yeah. But she's not in the movie enough to be the new Sydney. Like, she's barely in the fucking movie. She was in it just enough. <laughs> I uh, fucking love Emma Roberts. I know. She's so good in this. Um, Wasn't she also in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? Wasn't she the main person in that, or is that a different person? No, that's someone else. She's got a weird name. I can't remember what it is. I'm a fan of Evan Roberts, though. Big fan. I enjoy looking at her very much. So let's. She's so pretty. Let's start. I can't with, believe she belongs to Eric Roberts. <laughs> let's start with, in my opinion, probably the best scene of the whole film is the opening. Um, so in Scream, we've always had the meta like in. Uh, in canon, in universe um, franchise of slasher films based around the events that happened at the Woodsboro Massacre. Um, so this time is the first time we get to actually see them, uh, see like a segment of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. And it's amazing because you don't know when you start the beginning of this film that it's a part of the stab universe and not the scream universe. Um, but we get multiple like flash throughs of two beautiful co-eds, one of (laughs) like either getting killed or eventually one killing the other one, um, after like three or four different flashes of a different cast. Um, yeah, it's revealed that the intro to stab six is the intro to stab five <laughs> that then cuts into the intro of stab six of like two fake out intros. I loved this. I thought this was hilarious. <laughs> I thought this was so good. The first time I saw this, I was like, oh my God, this might be, I was like, this is at least the second best beginning of a screen movie. Um, so, what did you guys? What did you think about this, Josh and Miles? Thoughts on the scene? <clears throat> I'd seen. This is the only part of the movie I had seen because you guys made me watch this part when I said I hadn't seen this movie like six months ago. And yeah, it's really fun. It's uh, you don't expect a double fake out, but the second one is very short, at least. So like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also thought it was a little brave to be trying to push Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell as teenagers, but <laughs> yeah, they had to be like thirty-five. They're clearly like mid-twenties at least. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I forgot. I didn't this is two thousand eleven, and Anna Paquin was a teenager in X Men in the year two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> like... 
I uh, I forgot everything about this movie except that Hayden Panettiere is in it. So like I was I was in for the ride. The second cold open was I was like these two women are not in this movie. I <laughs> in this movie right now. This is not gonna be the rest of the movie. And I was right. They bad acting. They were the arguably the worst actors in the movie. Where there was that <laughs> silly little play out scene. But I liked it. It was fun. Like the then when you get the third one, I'm like. Are they doing it again? How many of these do we get? <laughs> yeah, then this it, movie. I love how it turns out to be one of them that kills the other one. <laughs> it's, it's Kristen Bell who kills the other chick, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah that was I, I am. I I still hate, and this movie reeks of it. Is Kevin Williamson writing? It's like teenagers don't fucking talk like this, and I'm sorry. Which rich white girls from the suburbs don't know this much about fucking movies. These people are putting my knowledge to shame. <laughs> like the way they're just talking openly about the like philosophical ideas behind movies. It's like no sixteen-year-old girl is this invested. <laughs> like, Let alone a bullshit. gaggle of them. Like people don't talk the way they talk in these fucking movies. And I think I know it's a trope of the scream movies, but the thing I'm sick of the most in the scream movies is all of the fucking like meta shit. It's like, yes, I get it. Worked in the first one. You're really beating this idea to death. Like, you're not really coming up with new concepts by being like, now the internet exists. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the charm of these movies, though. That's like what they're all about. That's what sets them apart from the other ones. I would agree with I would agree with you 100%, Miles. That's like what gives it its flavor is the the heavy reliance on these stupid tropes and always making sure that it's like referenced within the film. The the but one it's in five just reference the for them to be like, what's going on? These aren't the rules of how movies work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone is is flipping the the genre on its ear. Could it be yeah, us? Yeah, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fourth fucking installment. <laughs> the fifth one that's the best scene in the movie is when they all sit down and they're like, "Okay, what is a requel?" Which I feel like I they tried think to that's have That's the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> they they tried to do the exact same argument in this one. Where it's like nobody cares about sequels; they only want prequels and and se- and uh, remakes. And it's like, but you have that yeah, argument seeing again them later. In the order that I did, I was like, yeah, five just kind of is four over again because they felt like no one saw four. <laughs> like, Pretty much, that's, yeah. like a lot of exactly the story elements are exactly was. the same. That's yeah. that's that's my biggest issue with five. Straight up, you want to talk about rehash? Like, I I. I feel like five objectively is probably a better made movie. Like the absolutely it's like all the like technical aspects of the film, but like the story and probably also I like the cast of actors in this film a lot more than I do the ones in five. There's like two people in five. I like the rest. I'm like, can't wait to see these fuckers die. (laughs) I would say like besides technology, like the technology used in the movie, that being able to be like something that dates it a little bit other than that i feel like this movie does age much better than two and three because everyone just kind of looks normal in two and three people are either dressed ridiculously or have the worst haircuts in the fucking world (laughs) looking at you gail weathers in part three what are those bangs you look like shit (laughs) there was a murder and it's on Courtney <laughs> Cox's forehead. 
It got to her hair before it got to her face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> All right, so the the film, after we get through the kind of ridiculous uh, stab introduction, we find out that it's the 15th anniversary of the original Woodsboro murders, the week, anniversary week, I should say. And um, we find out that two students, Ginny Randall and Marnie Cooper, have been murdered by Ghostface. Um, and we have, coincidence, coincidentally, we have Sidney Prescott, returning to Woodsboro the next day to promote her new book with her publicist played by Alison Brie. Um, meanwhile, uh, so she's like given, she's doing her book reading. <laughs> uh, what's her book called? Do you guys remember the title? It's so like darkness. Yes. I was going to say it's so ridiculously sappy and stupid. It sounds like a freaking <laughs> telenovela. Um, but she's like doing a reading and uh what what was the trigger where like they go and check her car for the evidence that they find the the phone ringing they call the phone that the calls were coming from and it's in the trunk of her car yeah i felt like something was missing there though like they just come there and they're like something's missing from a crime scene and it's like is there a scene missing? We didn't even see you at the crime scene. Yeah, I wonder if that got hit on, hit like knocked out with cuts. I feel like there are a couple of things because there's one point where someone got stabbed once in the stomach. I think it was maybe Allison Bree, and when they like, and then they cut to Ghostface's face, and when then they cut back to the sh- outer shot of him having stabbed her, the whole r- right side of her body is covered in blood where she hadn't been stabbed. So there's definitely like a cut where he she got stabbed like multiple times and they just took it out. What this the scene of finding the cell phone is missing is if it was filmed in modern day, they come bursting in and they're like we need everyone to hold still and not leave this place right now. You would definitely hear someone being <laughs> like, "Am I being detained? I demand to yeah. know why I'm being detained." <laughs> I know my rights. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say that if Sydney Prescott wasn't a white woman and they found a cell phone from a crime scene, a bloody knife and a bunch of bloody posters in her trunk, she would be arrested. Pretty much. <laughs> They're just like, "Oh, poor Sydney! How could somebody put this stuff in your rental car that you just admitted to having?" <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that they used Find My iPhone to locate the car, the phone. Instead yeah. of them just being like, there might be a phone somewhere around here. Yeah. One of our deputies used his techno magic to locate the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that scene was overall very silly. And the fact that they don't immediately go, oh, the person who's been traumatized by all these murders and continuously gets found and is the centerpiece of all these murders has murder weapons in her car and blood. Couldn't be her. She's guilty. <laughs> yep. Um, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought it was Sydney myself. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, uh, because they find the evidence in her car, uh, Sydney does become a suspect in these these two girls' murders, and now she is effectively stuck in Woodsboro. For no, I don't even think they call her. I think they call her a material witness. <laughs> yeah, they don't call. Her, they don't suspect her at all. <laughs> 
There's well, no point where they're like, they're like, you can't leave. We might need to talk to you because this is your property. Like, you're a witness <laughs> to a crime. It's like she didn't say shit. Well, they, for, every, for all we know, she killed these girls. I, I think it's like they can't rule her out, though, right? Like, no, they can't. But they don't think of it at all. <laughs> nope, Dewey's just like she wouldn't do that. <laughs> Good old. She's my small, dead sister's friend. <laughs> Good old small town USA, baby. Um. But uh, yeah, so she's she's effectively stuck in town. She can't leave county lines, and uh, this is where we get introduced to Sydney's cousin, the f- new face of the franchise, and the new Sydney, Jill Roberts, played by Emma Roberts. Um, <clears throat> she's going through it when we meet her. Uh, her boyfriend Trevor, Trevor Sheldon such a douche he cheated on her and she's heartbroken about it and she while she's like struggling she's on the struggle bus here she gets a call from (laughs) ghostface and man he's uh he's not fucking around what did you think of our first ghostface (laughs) call on uh on screen four yeah, he's pretty vicious in this one with the uh, with the dialogue. He's very, he, he goes from zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> if you hang up on me, I'm gonna cut your eyelids off. It's like whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> yeah. saw into your neck until I hit bone. <laughs> it's like Jesus, dude. She just said wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jill gets a call with her friend Kirby. Hayden Panettiere, who we love, and friend number three, who I don't know, Olivia. Sure. Oh, yeah. Olivia. But they're like, she's the hottest girl in high school. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of digging these other two more. I don't know what you're fucking talking about. Wait, which girl? Olivia is the hottest girl in high school. The yeah. neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the neighbor. She stands a foot taller than all of the other ones, too. <laughs> she is it's an like... Amazon, yeah. <laughs> she could have <laughs> taken Ghostface if it was either of those people. I I think Olivia's a babe in this. I could no, she is hot, yeah. but I mean, hottest in the high school. I mean, she barely got any tits. Come on now. Yeah, she's walking <laughs> around in a bra, and it's like, all right, well, there are better options for this scene. <laughs> and that's the boob report. Yeah. Why didn't you give Officer Judy that type of scene? I would have been boned <laughs> up the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, agreed. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so uh at this point um jill olivia and kirby are questioned about their phone calls from ghostface uh i think you guys mentioned it but worth repeating um their friend olivia also got called by ghostface um so they get questioned by dewey and we find out dewey is now the sheriff of the town and uh like we said he's got hot deputy judy hitting on him we've got Anthony. but he's finally married to gail now he's married dude for 10 years it. which made me even more sad thinking of the knowledge i know in part five i know <laughs> it's like oh they couldn't have just not left him ending. they couldn't have left him in a happy marriage like they had to fucking tear that man's heart out too yeah he's sheriff he's got a beautiful home the next one he's single living in a single wide trailer drinking himself <laughs> to death <laughs> Uh, yeah so um 
and Dewey is his, his deputies. Uh, I actually really like his all three of his deputies. I think they're yeah. they're all great. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so Gail is in the meantime writing her book because obviously she's got to be also writing a book. Does she have a title for hers? I can't remember if she had a title for it yet. <laughs> no, it just says chapter one at the top of the page in the biggest font you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and she writes, I don't know what to fucking write. <laughs> <laughs> so she's dealing with the writer's block, um, and she decides that she's going to once again get involved in the Ghostface slayings and investigate the murders, um, even though Dewey is literally begging her not to get involved. <laughs> yeah, she's pumped because she thinks, like, oh, f- fuck yeah, stories just been dropped at my feet. Now I'll have something to write about. <laughs> and Dewey's just like, I forbid you from getting involved because I'm a policeman and you're not. But also, they say all of the stab movies are based off books she's written. It's like, bitch, you got six bestsellers that have been adapted into movies. You, you all set for money. You ain't got to write any more books. Like, <laughs> don't get down on yourself for writer's block. I know, really though. You a fucking J.K. Rowling of the Scream universe. <laughs> <laughs> She yeah, even compares herself to J.K. Rowling, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she yeah, does. I think she does. <laughs> She's like, how is she not getting royalties from all these films? You got screwed, Gail. You got absolutely screwed. And this is like, when speaking of stab, this is like the one where they're like, this most recent stab is stab in space. So they've gone too far. And then the next movie, the next stab movie after that is one where he has a flamethrower as his main weapon. (laughs) So like I think they also said in this one that part 5 has time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see those movies. Honestly, at this point they could do a stab 1 through 6 and I would watch those too. They could Making do like an anthology. Yeah, they could do two two releases a year, a scream film and then also a stab film and the stab films had to be exceedingly stupid. <laughs> Like, that would sell, and I'd watch Extras it. Extras on the Blu-ray. That's what it is right there. Oh, my God. I'll start buying physical media again if they do that. Get them steel books. Shit, you got me derailed with that time travel comment. <laughs> 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 now you got me thinking. No, well, well, now, no wonder where we the meet villains the... in the next one are so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we meet the rest of the Scooby gang, the two uh, heads of the cinema club. Very popular. Which... Yeah, which I'm sorry. Go fuck yourself. No one that said they love cinema would have a poster of ha- Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 hanging up, being like, look, look how much we love cinema. Here's our here's our poster for fucking Citizen Kane. And here's our poster for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Okay. Suck my dick. The only thing I can say is that poster is cool. That movie is trash. Movie is garbage. That movie is absolute trash. Like, I don't think how cool the poster is can overcome how bad that film is. We have to do Halloween 2 at some point on here. (laughs) I'm not rewatching it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I actually really like the film club kids. They seem super chill and they throw a a dope rager at the end of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, which is is, uh, the Culkin, whatever his first name is. Rory. And Rory Culkin and his friend who has like a headset where he's always live streaming. 
but man, does it really uh, put a timestamp on when this is wrong. His headset and Gail Weathers' giant inconspicuous cameras that she places all over that barn later. I was like, Jesus, that bag must have weighed 45 pounds. Back then, they were the small state-of-the-art shit. Like, I can't believe how small this is. It's only 19 inches in diameter. She's picking up a trophy every time. (laughs) It's like, you going bowling or something? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so these two kids, I I totally agree with you, though. That definitely, that's the one thing about this movie, even more so than the heavy cameras. Maybe she's just balling on a budget, but the headset, it literally looks like some shit from, like, Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) <laughs> it's SD- enormous how many sd cards is that guy blowing through every day? <laughs> uh, oh, and what's he connecting to he can just live stream to the internet wherever the fuck he is yeah <laughs> like they're in the middle of the woods at one point and he's like hey look at this we're having a party <laughs> he's like, that was I gotta- when people were like we have free wi-fi like that was that was a new <laughs> thing <laughs> oh god yeah um so yeah we meet the film club um and then uh, shortly after, you know, we kind of get the the traditional like, oh, it could be any one of these people that you're meeting. Like, who is it? Oh, it might be the film club kids because they love movies. And, you know, the original guys love movies, too. So it might be them. And I thought they did a good job of, like, casting suspicion on these two, like, effectively. I immediately knew it was Culkin from the moment you see him for the first time. I was like, well, there's one of our killers. He, really he just My, he looks like a kind of guy who would obsess and stab I, my problem with this movie is has nothing to do with the movie itself but my problem is one the reason it's taken me 12 years to watch this is because i've known who the killers in this movie were since this movie came out in theaters Damn. it just got spoiled for me without seeing the movie so i was like oh, uh, i guess i don't have to watch this so it took away a little bit from the movie knowing that emma roberts was a fucking killer I felt like they did a really good job of hiding that she was involved. They did, yeah, because I thought for sure it was boyfriend and cinema kid, and yeah. they they duped me on that one. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the first kill. Uh, so Sydney decides she's going to stay over. Uh, I should say first kill that's actually happening in reality, um, not in the stab universe. <laughs> um, so Sydney is staying with aunt kate jill's mom um we've never heard of this person before and also yeah. she wasn't around when sydney was in high school she just wasn't a thing they, they were like we need to have an older person in here to die to grab that definite yeah. graphic yeah her mom's sister who lives in the same town she lived in in high school when her mom was murdered she didn't like be like, hey, maybe I'll be responsible. I'll help raise my my sister's daughter. Yeah. Also, how has the aunt never come into play before? There's been three attempts on her life and family. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, if someone's <laughs> trying to kill me, they're not going after my aunt Barb. I mean, also the likelihood that Sid is unlucky enough that her long lost brother and her estranged niece both turned into psychopaths and tried to kill her in her lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a mess up. And family. her boyfriend. <laughs> and her boyfriend's mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of them. She's got a lot of baggage. Um, now, this, the most unlikable person on the planet. <laughs> this kill, though, does establish something 
that I do not find believable in the slightest in this movie, and that is that two bodies, starting with this one, get thrown f through a window or thrown from a high height. These people, the two people who are the bad guys that are revealed, each weigh a buck twenty, and they're picking up bodies and throwing them. You ever picked up a limp body? That shit is extremely difficult <laughs> to pick up a dead person covering yourself in blood and then throwing them from a height and then running away and concealing your covered in blood is completely unbelievable in my humble opinion i agree with you however i'll never not like seeing someone get thrown out a window after they've been stabbed a la friday the 13th part four a final <laughs> the final chapter <laughs> when he fucking yeets that woman into the fucking stratosphere <laughs> and she she lands on a fucking like Oldsmobile. Oh my god. Child's I would say the <laughs> the reveals of those things though are worse in 5. Cuz they do that twice and both reveals happen to be the small girl was doing it. The small girl stabbed Dewey and picked him up in the air off yeah. his feet. It's like what the fuck? She <laughs> <laughs> She's got a strong base. But uh, in this one, at least, I mean, the Calkin kid's not tiny. I mean, he's not jacked or anything, but he's he's taller than these girls. I thought this kill scene was fucking, like, the best in the franchise. He fucks that girl up. Dude. He full-on Spartan kicks her into a wall. Dude. <laughs> yeah, he does. I loved the suspense leading up to it when they're, like, on the phone with her and... Like Meg yeah, he says he's in the closet, but he's in the he's in hurt the other girl's closet. Yeah, yeah, she's on the phone with Ghostface, but the girls are watching from across the way because they're on hold, and like that was crazy as hell to just watch it from like right across the street or like right next door. I just thought the the shot was awesome, and like very you said, effective. Very effective. Yeah, I thought I thought the whole scene was great. He stabs her in the hand. He throws her like half out the window just to like pose her to the girls that are helpless across <laughs> the way. I thought it was great. <laughs> and then when Sydney rolls up in that fucking bloodbath, her guts are all over the bed. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sydney is packing. We find out, and she fucking goes in. She's like trained, and she. Uh, so she no, she doesn't have a gun. She just rolls up in there. She did. Yeah, she's have... ready to do some of her I love kickboxing.com classes. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so weird. She went in there with no weapon. I was like, Jesus, Sydney, you've gone through this enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, wait, she didn't have a gun? No, I'm getting, no I think experience. I'm, they have a gun. I think I, I think I'm getting it mixed up <laughs> with five when she goes into the house with Gail. Um, there are even cops outside, and every time the cops are needed, it's like, oh, we saw Ghostface down the street. <laughs> it's oh, like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, Which at least that's a convenient use of the fact that there's two killers. Like, there's always two killers. This this new one better have fucking six killers. <laughs> like, that would be awesome. I'm sick of the formula of two. It's not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> rule of two. <laughs> Ghostface rule of two. So Sydney throws down against Ghostface, and they are like legit brawling. Um, and uh, Emma Roberts shows up for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just to get slash. Yeah, she's well, you know, got to get your alibi going. Um, but uh, so she's duking it out, and then eventually uh, Perkins and Haas, the two deputies, they roll up, and Ghostface flees. Um, 
At the hospital, uh, Sydney ends up firing Allison Brie after learning about her wanting to exploit the murders to increase her book sales. And then almost immediately, that woman had the worst day of her life. Almost immediately, <laughs> she she gets fired and walks into the parking garage. And you want to describe this kill, Josh? This is I, I thought this one was really, really good. It was cool. The suspense was good. My first thought when I knew it was going to happen, like once it cut to her being alone, I'm like, well, this is where she does. <laughs> uh, all I could think was, there's no need for this kill whatsoever. This woman is not connected to anybody. <laughs> like she's not in the group of friends. Like she's a complete outlier to all of this. Like there's no reason for her to kill her other uh, besides the fact that there is a police fucking press conference happening right below the parking structure. <laughs> she was just a kill of opportunity, I think. I mean, I but can yeah, I can't gets... think of any other reason why they why they killed her. Outside of just yeah, like when you just because just she message. happens to be in a scream movie, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah exactly. I feel like they killed her to try and like upset Sydney. She didn't. They didn't know she just got fired. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's just one of those things where it's like there. And this definitely isn't the first time the franchise has done this. There's always a lot of like, you're just in a slasher, so you're gonna get killed. Because <laughs> uh, like, I, I always think back to it. Like Jada Pinkett Smith's death at the beginning of two. I'm always like. I don't think they ever go back and say how she was related to any of these people. Nope. She was just a <laughs> random person that got killed in the movie theater by Ghostface. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Alison Brie's trying to leave. She gets a call from Ghostface. Very aggressive. <laughs> uh, she tries to get into her car and leave, but her car won't start. And Ghostface jumps down onto the hood of the car, and he's got whatever he like ripped out of the engine in his hand. <laughs> Boom. That's that's a uh, move, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad to see him have something in his hand because I was like, why is this brand new car she's driving not starting? <laughs> yeah. This doesn't make any sense. Um, but she gets out and she tries to like run back to the door and Ghostface just rolls up on her and like stabs her right through the stomach. Yeah. I don't know I why feel like she all would the, leave. All the kills in this are pretty brutal. She just decided to leave her best chance of survival. She's like, you know what? I don't think I will stay in this car. I can lock and keep to myself and get out on the other side if he comes to attack me. Yeah, or call the police on my cellular device that I have in my purse. In my hand. Like, she literally has it in her hand and does not call the cops. Yeah, that happens a lot in this movie. It's a big reliance on, hey, cell phones exist, but never once does anyone call the police. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and after being murdered, she is then tossed down from the heavens. (laughs) <laughs> yep, on top of a news van <laughs> yep. during a police press conference where Gail keeps trying to interrupt and act like a reporter so she can be relevant, and Dewey's just kind of like, be I'm quiet, like, yeah. I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm working. I'm trying to keep the peace. But 100-pound Emma Roberts <laughs> throws Allison <laughs> Bree <laughs> like Donkey Kong with a barrel just right <laughs> over the edge. Now, at this point... um, in Gail's sleuthing, she decides that she's going to work with the two movie nerds at the local high school, Charlie and Robbie. Um, I feel like if she had been single in this one like she was in the rest of them, she was going to offer them hand jobs because she had that tone of voice. Go. <laughs> oh, God, I'd take it. <laughs> I thought for sure she was going to be like, I'll show you my plastic boobs. Hmm? Hmm? But no, she was like, I'll stand next to you in a classroom. And they're like, nah, no dice. Not going to work for me. 
Yeah, they're like, how about Sydney? She's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I'm popular too. Oh, I love that. I love how like she's like pissy about being in Sydney's shadow, even though she's a much more famous writer. And how do they know that like is the character in Stab also named Sydney? Like, why is she so glorified? Because they're in Woodsboro, so like that's what the town is famous for. This attack happening on this girl. And the stab movies are just based off of Gail's books, and Gail's books are actual like recollections of the of the events. Like, but like, like the books the books aren't called Stab. The books are just autobiographies of what happened and her solving the case and shit. But if Halloween was based on a real event, we wouldn't be like, oh Jamie Lee. Like we'd be like Jamie Lee Curtis is famous, not the person who was actually in the event is famous. Like, we don't know who the people were that got killed in The Strangers in real life, but we know Liv Tyler's Yeah, but we also don't live in the town that The Strangers is set in. <laughs> like, all these people do. All these people. She's friends with half the people in the fucking movie. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and she didn't know poor Judy. She didn't remember Judy. That Was that like a little red herring that Judy might be a little crazy and yes, be the so. killer? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They, like, kept her in darkness <laughs> all the whole time she was talking. She's like, you don't remember me. <laughs> They definitely we had all of these classes together. They definitely would have bait you multiple times in this movie, which is part of the reason why I like it because I think they do a good job of being like, "Is it this person? Like, why are they? Yeah. Why are they showing this person in this way? <laughs> is it Aunt Mary? She seems very <laughs> jealous of her dead sister." <laughs> uh, um. Now between Charlie and Robbie, they they start talking. And Charlie it comes up with a theory that the killer is following the rules of horror remakes. And we get the whole discussion between prequels and remakes um, in an age, which at the time I was very fitting because it was remake crazy. Like, I think uh, 2011 and 2010, there was three major IPs like in the horror, horror franchises all remade. Well, I mean, there's a yeah, there's a scene where where Kirby lists pretty much every single horror movie remake that exists, and all of those movies came out between 2003 and the release of this film, 2011. (laughs) Yeah, she threw some deep cuts out there. Seventeen movies. She says freaking Amityville horror. I'm like, shit, I forgot about that one. My bloody Valentine. I was like, whoa, yeah, that's right. That's a thing. <laughs> Jensen Ackles. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they, after kind of figuring this out, Gail and Sydney decide that the killers most likely to str- strike at Stabathon, which is the put on by the film club. It is a rager out in this gigantic, like, hayloft. And yeah, invite only. Invite only, even though everyone's invited. Uh, <laughs> and it's like a horror movie screening of all the stabs um, and also a gigantic party. This party is sick as hell. I would definitely love to have gone to something like this in high school. But yeah, if, it seemed pretty rad. If they started <laughs> right when people walked in the door, it would be a 12 hour movie assignment. <laughs> yeah. 12 hour rager, brother. <laughs> I guess in high school, like they're like, yeah, only we're only invi- like they make it seem like they're nerds at the beginning, but then there's people in like Letterman jackets and shit. I'm like, those are the popular kids. That's what that's supposed to mean. They're there. Everybody's there. All are welcome at Stabathon. 
Chris, did you ever own a Letterman's jacket? No. Oh, I could have sworn in your time <laughs> in the Navy that they might have handed those out. <laughs> so he's got that golden gloves necklace. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, we get Gail, who has stocked up at her <laughs> local radio shack, and she has about 645 pounds worth of gear that she needs to set up inconspicuously at this high school party. Um, yeah, apparently in her in her off time, Gail's gone to technical college, <laughs> learned, uh, learned uh, a strong trade in IT. <laughs> she's got she got a whole setup in her car where she's doing Wi-Fi somehow to relay all these cameras to her laptop. So funny, dude! She's carrying around a giant satchel full of fucking huge cameras. So Wearing a she- ghost face mask and giving everyone the thumbs up, you know, like the cool kids do. <laughs> She literally gets up on stage when the movie starts playing and sets up a fucking eight-inch camera. (laughs) Everyone's just booing her. (laughs) We also find out that the first Stab movie was directed by Robert Rodriguez. I laughed out loud. I was like, oh, my God, he would, though. (laughs) Dude. And who is Drew Barry's more character is played by uh, Heather Graham. It's the other Uh, way around. Isn't Heather Graham in the original? No, no Drew Barrymore's in the okay, original. Okay, so then yes, they got reversed. Hooray. Um, <laughs> they uh, Robert Rodriguez actually does all of the stab footage that you see in any Oh, really? Movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was originally looking to direct these films, but they went with... Wes Craven was like, good old Wes. Mm, nah, how about second string? How's that sound? <laughs> you can do the movies inside of my movies. How about that? Is, you can director? do Spy Kids, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, once once Gail gets everything set up, um, she what was it? Like one of the cameras got turned. She sees that there's another camera. Oh, and then, yeah, because yeah, her, her cameras streaming. start getting turned on her little screen. So she runs in there and, uh, yeah, sees a webcam and then gets attacked by a ghost face. Yep. And she takes a knife to the shoulder, but not after putting up a good fight. She she does yeah. she does throw down with Ghostface straight up. If I didn't know Gail was in five, I was worried she was going to die in this scene. This was very close to mm-hmm. death. Like, I think this is by far... The closest we get to any of the big three dying in this one. Um, but Gil survives, which was, I was happy she, they didn't kill her. Um, and meanwhile, while all that shit's going down at the party, uh, we've got ha- deputies Haas and Perkins posted up at Jill's house to protect Jill from Ghostface. Doesn't go so well for them. Does we not get, work out. The fucking knife through the ear was so brutal. I don't know. The knife square through Anthony Anderson's forehead and he like acts crazy after that. That was pretty fucking cool. <sighs> yeah, he did not die quick enough for somebody who got stabbed in the forehead. <laughs> like he gets out of his car. <laughs> talks stumbles around it reminded Dude, me of that hated- scene from futurama where the the like worms are in his brain and he starts cutting the stem of his brain and he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> i hated that they killed both these guys mm-hmm. i was like damn it anthony anderson should have gotten a survivable wound that would have been awesome 
I would have loved to have seen him in five. <laughs> like, Brent, you want no, you want another good legacy character? He would have been great. He comes rolling up in one of those, like, his <laughs> wheelchair, Stephen, Stephen wheelchairs. Hawking ones. It's like, I see what your hand's yeah. doing there. <laughs> I have come to find Ghostface. <laughs> um, yeah, so both the cops get killed outside of Jill's house, and then uh, Sydney gets another call from Ghostface. Uh, telling her that Jill has left for Kirby's house. And then um, that's uh, right before Ghostface ends up attacking them and killing Kate, her aunt. Um, Dope kill. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah. So, okay. This that woman had, like, no lines on, on screen yeah, and got she was, fucking she brutalized. Was nobody. <laughs> <laughs> like I just heard a comedian saying that his mom is afraid to have a mailbox on her door because someone could put snakes through it. And then literally an hour later, somebody stabs a person through the mailbox slot. And I was like, whoa, law of attraction. This yeah. is weird. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Sydney's like last remaining relative is murdered here. Um, and... Now we cut to the basically the end of the film, uh, which is sort of a replication of the first movie, um, the big house party. So we've got Jill, Kirby, Charlie, Robbie, Trevor, um, and they are all at Kirby's house. Uh, Ghostface, of course, shows up and murders the shit out of Robbie, which I was very sad to see. <laughs> I always hate when the film nerds get murdered in these movies, man. He's like, but I'm gay. <laughs> yeah, they had come up with a rule that, like, the only ones that are safe in new modern horror movies are gay people. <laughs> so Ghostface st starts stabbing him. He's like, wait, I'm gay, if that matters. <laughs> and then he stabs him again. <laughs> they did real good playing off the boyfriend as the bad guy right now, though. Like, I was like, it's clear it's the boyfriend. And she's like, get out of my house. Why are you still here? And, uh, yeah, they played that off, like, perfect. I feel like it's a little formulaic, though, because it's rarely ever the one that seems like an asshole. True. Usually the asshole's just an asshole because they want you to think it's that person. It never usually winds up being that person. Yeah, it's like, an asshole doesn't equate to a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so so Robbie's the first to go, um, and then Sydney comes to try to get Jill to leave, um, and then they both end up getting chased down by the other ghost face, which is uh, Charlie, right? Yeah, Charlie. Tolkien. <laughs> and uh, I, one thing I'll say about all the Scream movies that I like are the sprint chases, like... The scream chases are always so frantic when you're like actually running away from Ghostface, and I can appreciate that because like everybody else, like all the other killers, there is no like actual chase. It's like they're walking after you pretty much. They do a very good job of like not only is it pandemonium as they run, there's like times where they stop and they look around and they can almost like not make out their surroundings because they're just like so frantic. It is yeah. typically pretty well may i think all of them have at least one scene where it's like where do i go where do i go and they don't have a good choice and they just kind of run yeah and the music yeah. too is like 
<laughs> You're like, oh god. <laughs> Someone give me a Xanax. I do like in this one and in five. For I feel like are the only times that so you do see Ghostface move slow in both of these movies at one point, and I think that's super effective and creepy too. Like when he's following Sydney on the like roof. When she's trying to open the windows, he's not like running after. He's just kind of like slowly stalking her. I thought it was it was pretty creepy. Same with in in the second era in the fifth one where Ghostface comes out of the hallway, out of the uh, hospital room, and he's just like slowly walking sideways. Mm, yeah, I think it's very creepy when Ghostface moves slow because he is usually always like frantic and waving his arms around and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, now at this point, <coughs> we. Uh, so Sydney ends up calling Dewey. Um, and in the meantime, she's trying to find Jill because they've become separated. Um, uh, and my, my favorite part of this like whole thing is when Kirby goes to free Charlie, who was bound and gagged on the back porch. And he's, yeah, it was like a remake of the first one where the ghost face is like giving her movie trivia to save Charlie's life, and he's taped to a chair just like Drew Barrymore's boyfriend. And then she... That's when she rattles off all of the remakes and is just like, I won! I won! (laughs) It was the best part of this movie. The part where the acting actually was, like, really solid. She delivered. Yeah. And so she goes to free Charlie, um, who she wouldn't let in the house earlier, right? And, like, she... She, like, didn't trust him, and then he ends up tied up. Um, But (laughs) as soon as she unties him, he fucking stabs the shit out of her. (laughs) And it's so gnarly. You're like, God, like, uh, why? Why did you have to be bad? He almost scored with her, and he was like, but do I cheat on my serial killer girlfriend? I don't know. What do I do? Yeah, I thought that was the most unrealistic part of this movie. I was like, there's no way fucking Culkin would get either of these chicks. No, that face and that hair. (laughs) Pulling, bro. There is a point where, like, they're about, before they tie him up, she, like, the other ghost face grabs him and slams his head into the window and pulls him away into the darkness. I was like, clearly the bad guy. He did not get stabbed by the killer with a knife (laughs) in their hand. A weird thing that I realized when watching this movie is because I've heard for a long time, like, people were mad that Kirby wasn't in five, and then people were, like, really pushing for her to be in six, and now she's going to be in six. I was mad that she wasn't in five. But they don't tell you at the end of this movie that she's alive. They don't tell you she's dead, so I automatically assume she was alive. I mean, she's face down in a pool of blood, like... Yeah, she's bleeding out real fucking fast. She never comes back. They're in a hospital afterwards, and no one ever goes, Kirby's in the room over there. She's going to, she's, it's touch and go, but she might make it. Like, and, and I, and one of them says, like, oh, they killed Kirby. <laughs> and it's like, surprise. Why does everyone think Kirby's alive? <laughs> in the new one, she's going to be like, yeah, one of the best tactics is just straight up to play dead. <laughs> I want Anthony <laughs> Anderson in the chair. Bring, Bring him, him back. Scar on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to New York City. <laughs> I, I am Ghostface. <laughs> At this point, Sydney is then confronted by Charlie, uh, but she ends up getting stabbed by the second Ghostface, and we get the big reveal 
that who boat. could this be five foot two ghost face <laughs> <laughs> it's jill she was Surprise. pretty good yep. she was pretty good i was i was surprised a because i did not see that coming but also like she just plays the psycho so well and he's like go ahead stab me like we practice and she stabs him in the heart pretty sure there's some bones and stuff in front of that but that's <laughs> fine <Yeah. laughs> so she takes it takes boyfriend out even though the plan was not to and she stabs Sydney, and she beats the fuck out of herself, and that was so entertaining. Well, the first thing she does is shoot her actual boyfriend in the dick, and then shoot him in the head. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was <laughs> brutal, dude. But her whole thing, yeah, is like she's jealous of Sydney because everyone in her family in this town loves Sydney. So if she becomes the new Survivor girl, then everyone will love her too. So she stabs Sydney. She like, yeah. Like, puts this fucking knife up to her shoulder and, like, runs into the wall oh. to stab herself and throws herself into that picture frame. She back dives onto the glass like table. It was like Fight Club when he was fighting himself. I was going to say, it's like liar, liar. <laughs> I'm kicking my own ass. <laughs> um, so, at this point... Um, she ends up stabbing Sydney. Uh, the the phrase "soul survivor" is said at least once, probably more than once, um, and uh, kind of just like basically knocks herself unconscious um, after beating herself near near to near to death, um, suplexing herself through a glass table. <laughs> Elephant just knocks her out. <laughs> she runs face first into this huge glass picture frame. <laughs> now, um, at this point, Dewey and the police arrive, and Jill and Sydney are taken to the hospital. Um, Sydney finds out that, or uh, Jill finds out that Sydney has survived uh, while in her hospital bed, and she is like. Fit to be tied, dude. <laughs> She's like muttering shit under her breath. She's like, fucking Sydney Prescott, motherfucker, are you supposed to fucking die? I cannot fucking believe this shit. Like that kind of that kind of energy. And uh Yeah, she's like, Oh, I wish I wish Sydney was gonna be here to see this and do he's like, Oh, she's not dead. <laughs> she's like, What? <laughs> I and that's one of the strong parts of this movie is the killer is honestly freaking hilarious at points because yeah. <laughs> like like i she's just so psycho that it, i feel like the closest that we've gotten was like billy loomis and stew in the in the first one um so they uh i think jill takes the the gold cup um as far as the spin-off villains um, well, she fucks it up for herself though because she she tells dewey that uh she wants to write a book with gail and that they'll be like kindred spirits because they have the same wound. And because Dewey's an idiot, he doesn't put two and two together that that information hasn't been released yet, even though he's a sheriff of an entire county. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like a 25-year police veteran. <laughs> so this this final scene is uh, honestly pretty fucking ridiculous. Yeah, um, I was I I had enough at this point. <laughs> it's like, okay, so oh yeah, I like she's this. Pointing fight. The gun I mean, going, like, don't fucking... point guns, and then they get rid of their guns, and then defibrillator. Yeah, I didn't like 
I didn't like the defibrillator kill. I'm gonna be honest, but but ghost but Ghostface doesn't use guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jill's going to make that final attempt on Sydney. Uh, it turns out that Dewey <laughs> she starts choking her, and then they have like a tussle, and then she's like straight up punching her in the stomach. She's like, "How does stitches feel?" Bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dewey, Gale, and Judy end up intervening. Um, and like, they kind of all try to jump her, but she ends up like subduing. Doesn't she hit Dewey in the face with the bedpan? She beats him with a bedpan because Stewie doesn't, or uh, Dewey doesn't know how to put his fucking hands up. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets beat unconscious by a 90 pound girl. <laughs> um, and then she shoots my beautiful angel, Officer Judy. <laughs> no. Now, at this point, Sydney does come up behind her and hits her with the charged defibrillator. Um, yeah, she doesn't hear any of this shit behind her. Literally, like, a foot behind her making all this noise. She turns on the defibrillator machine, which, if you watched any movie, is loud as fuck, <laughs> making an extremely high-pitched noise. <laughs> she grabs the paddles off of the machine silently somehow and walks through glass to sneak <laughs> up behind her and put these fuckers to her temple. Yep. Also, and that doesn't even kill her. <laughs> no, that would totally kill her, yeah. too. Yep. Also, antiquated technology that I don't think was still in use even then. Now it's like sticky pads, but it's fine. She's They're, they're in the old wing of the hospital. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she hits her with the shock... Uh, Emma Roberts goes down and in scream fashion, she has to get back up again for one last jump scare and, uh, Sydney shoots her in the heart and kills her. Um, Dewey calls the cops and <laughs> the final shot is of a reporter saying that Jill is the sole surviving hero, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and that's that's Scream Four. What? Uh, let me ask you what guys. Do you guys let me ask you guys yeah. this. So Scream One did a really good job. If you pay close attention, you can tell the difference between the two ghost faces as far as their mannerisms. And one is more sloppy than the other. One has a lot less intention than the other. How, could you guys tell the difference between the ghost faces in this movie? Because I feel like I could not. No, I feel like they also stopped doing that because the reveals have always been people that are definitely not in the Ghostface costumes, like especially in this one. Emma Roberts is so short. Same yeah. with Five. That girl is so short in comparison to the Ghostface you always see. Mm -hmm. There's no way it's ever supposed to be that person. Like when they finally show Emma Roberts in the Ghostface costume, she looks ridiculous because she's so tiny and the costume so baggy. That's true. Yeah, I definitely couldn't tell uh, between the two killers, even on rewatch. Um, it would be nice if they kind of went back to the... The problem is, like, in this one and in... Five. Spoilers. Scream 5. Uh, the, you have a tiny woman as one of the killers. And, like, it's very hard to like show that without giving it away that it's like the one five foot five character or five foot three character or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, 
I guess the guy who does the voice also plays the ghost face in the costumes, but it's just like, I don't know. There's a degree of unpredictability for a movie that is trying to be like, you could predict this. <laughs> that I feel like this movie is, it could have been done better if, because they're both tiny people, both of them, Colkin and her, like neither of them are big people. So they could have made them the same size. And I don't know, like, I don't know which one would be the more effective killer because they both pretty effectively kill everybody, but it it lacked the artistry. It's a, yeah, it's like it's the problem with always having to rely on a reveal. Mm-hmm. Is that it's always gonna you can always sit there and go, well, that doesn't line up. <laughs> like, like it's kind of like how Shyamalan he always revolves he always relies on a twist and then it doesn't always land. It's like the same thing here. It's like well, you can't reveal it and have it be clearly a completely different person (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) yeah overall i do think this movie could have been done better and i think they did this exact movie better the next movie it's the same fucking movie so like like oh it always ends in a party that's the only thing that's like it goes through even though this was a small party it was still a party where, by the way, everyone wants to watch the serial killer movie about the serial killer who's coming to kill them. Not quite not quite there either. But overall, I just think that this movie, if they had had the, this cast for the next movie, the next movie would have been better. Yes, I agree with that. If, the, if this movie had the same story with the one difference being the it like the final scene with the shock paddles and everything and it was like a brutal fight scene instead this movie would have been which was like largely what i felt like scream 5 did differently than 4 was like there's definitely brutality in this one but like the the brutality in scream 5 is like drawn out yeah you know it's not like in this it's pretty pretty quick except for that one girl's death in the beginning um but yeah i I struggle because I actually, my experience going into the theater and seeing this in theaters compared to my experience seeing five in theaters, I enjoyed this movie more. Um, so that's where, that's kind of where I stand on it. But Josh, I'm curious to hear where, what, what you think. Like, which one did you prefer? Uh, I think I put it on par with five because I really like five and I really like this one. This is much better than two and three. Yeah. Like, people kind of really give two a lot more praise than it fucking deserves. I think one is a classic, and two and three are a big step down from there. Not that they're un- they're not unwatchable or anything, but they are very dated. They are very of the times, and they're very repetitive. I feel like four and five do some newer things, and the cast are more enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, I really liked it. I wasn't disappointed by watching it. I just wish I hadn't known who the killer was, because, you know, you... You always want that reveal to be like, oh, can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though we, you always kind of know. We knew with Quaid as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You always know at least one. I, I, This was my second time through, but it really felt like my first time through because it's been 12 years since I've watched this movie. But, <laughs> it, like, I don't know. It The twists and turns were more fun than I thought they were going to be. I wish they hadn't killed the cops. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> Bring back Anthony Anderson. 
Um, okay, so what do we want to rate this out of? Hmm. Lemon squares. Oh, man, I think you nailed it in one. Lemon squares. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm with you. Sweet Officer Judy's lemon squares. Okay. Josh, how many sweet, delicious Officer Judy handmade with love <laughs> lemon squares are you rating this? Um, I'll give it a 4.5. I really liked it. Um, I, I do... It's always hard, especially when you get up like to the later sequels. It's all it's always hard trying to compete with the first one. But I think these movies all do kind of do a good job of kind of being relevant to the horror movies that are popular at the times that they're made. And I th- I thought this was interesting in that a lot of the talks about the remakes, even though I think at the same time it's what hindered this movie's performance, I think it was an interesting aspect to, to add in, and, and to elevate the movie a little bit from being just the same thing over again. And the cast is great. This is this is the best cast of any Scream movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I I wish... One of the things that I wish they would have done in five more was develop the characters like they do in this one and like actually let them have personalities and actually kind of get to see them in like i don't know i felt like in five the characters like for example the brother and sister that are like the uh the film nerds that are related to uh what's the guy that gets killed in two the jack oh uh jamie kennedy jamie kennedy Yeah. yeah Like they're related to him, like the thing. That, Randy. Yeah, Randy. The thing that you're supposed to find endearing about them is that they're explaining the rules of reboots and requels, and like I'm like that's not endearing. Like I want to actually like your characters. There was and no reason just, for anybody to like the Thirteen Reasons Why guy in that movie at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so well, I feel like I don't. I don't like anyone's dialogue in these movies when they get talking like that because it just it r- sounds like they're reading off a script. No matter who it is, no matter which one of the, <laughs> even the first one, anytime they start talking about these very detailed things about movie plots being being related to real life, they're talking like they've done hours worth of research <laughs> on this topic, and it's like they're but they're supposed to be talking off the top of their head. Doesn't make any sense. It kind of well, encouraged the way that I talked back then, though. Like I feel like I yeah. talked that way a little bit when I was really hard and heavy into horror movies before we started this podcast, and I was just talking to whoever would listen. I feel like I did <laughs> kind of talk like that, and it was informed largely by the way people talk in the screen movies. So is it? art imitating life or vice versa i don't know but people like us would have these kinds of conversations it's kevin williamson i know who to blame (laughs) all of his stuff sounds like this (laughs) well miles what are you gonna rate this one i'd give it uh 3.69 because will i watch it again probably not but it's better than average slasher movies like there's a little bit more depth to it the legacy characters continuing to develop and change adds to the plot and the advancement in technology being a key factor and just really pushing what they want to make this movie different actually did make this movie different 
I think that stands out in this franchise. I don't really remember two and three very much, but I remember not liking them very much. So this is kind of like the screen movies are not my jam, but I'm not against them. I just am not a hardcore fan of the screen movies. So being what it is, it's better than average, better than what I expected. But I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, this is a masterpiece. This belongs in Kakoa Shaw's Bible. Like, none of this is a factor. But it, it was pretty good. You know, it's watchable, but I wouldn't go back and watch it again. Fair enough. I think I'm going to go with a solid four of Judy's Delicious Lemon Squares because <clears throat> I think this is probably my second favorite Scream, maybe my third um, it's in contention for top two, uh, but the one thing that sucks about this is it feels like all the characters I want to see more of get killed, um, and thankfully we do get some, we're getting, you know, Kirby in the new one, but that's a recent addition, like very, very recent. She was dead, yeah. like she was not alive. Yeah, uh, you better not touch Kirby in this one, you sick fucks. Yeah, she's she's an angel. <laughs> you know Anderson what is coming? I'm he actually took Officer Judy from us. <laughs> I'm gonna bump my my score up to four or five purely because I think this the beginning to this one is the the second best one in the entire franchise. What if Anna Packen had been the bad guy in, at the reveal at the end? <laughs> <laughs> That would have been Actress hilarious. Actress Anna Paquin. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been freaking hilarious. Um, yeah, it's... I'm just, like, looking at these people who played all the opening actresses, and it's honestly ridiculous. The Lucy, Lucy Hale. She's, like, a pop star. Yeah. The, the girls that were the actual first girls, not the Stab movie girls, but the first two girls... I really liked them. I thought their performance was very good, and I thought they were extremely easy on the eyes. I hoped that they had been in more of the movie. They were not, but I thought they were honestly like some of the best part of the movie was in the very beginning. But also, like, except it happens in all of these movies besides the first one. How are they related to anything? Why did they deserve to die? They didn't do anything. Like, in the first one, Drew Barrymore is Matthew Lillard's ex-girlfriend. That's why they kill her. Well, like, in the, in the, like, Jenny, what do these girls do? Jenny, who is, she's one of the two girls, uh, she is the girl that Trevor cheated with. Cheated on. Oh, is it? oh there we go. Mm -hmm. Connection. That makes it work. Yeah. She was in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> is that the blonde one? Uh, yes. She was in, like, Tomorrowland and shit. Yeah, she was like the coach's daughter in Friday Night Lights. Daddy, don't but you yeah. go play football. <laughs> don't do it, Daddy. <laughs> don't do it. There's a ghost face in there. <laughs> You'll deflate the balls. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what is, that, what is the average out to? Miles is like 3.6. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, so that's a solid four. Charlotte territory. <laughs> We're in the zone. Ooh. Charlotte's only for ghosts. We're we're talking almost Ambrose, just a little above Ambrose. <laughs> it should be a Ricky from Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Eat shit and live. Bill. <laughs> Eat shit and live, Bill. Um, yeah, so definitely one that you'll want to go check out uh, if you haven't seen it. 
if you haven't seen it, I mean, we, we spoiled the spoiled the big reveal. But uh, yeah, if you want to know who Kirby is going into part six, go check out part four. Yeah, That's the way I feel like it. there's going to be like a resurgence of people wanting to watch four now that she is in six, and it's on Netflix right now as of January twenty third, twenty twenty three. So it'll be there for like three months. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Get your Kirby fix. <laughs> All right, let's talk about let's talk about that sweet, sweet, delicious drip that you can find on our threadless. Who wants to tell them? Who's gonna let them know? I'll spread the word. It's dripping. <laughs> you head on over to our threadless store. It's hnhpod.threadless.com. We got logos. We got Kakoa Shaw approved. Boom. We got leave us alone skunks. Yeah. We got sloppy breakfast. Bah! <laughs> we got a bunch of other shit that I can't remember right now. I wish I could make that a shirt. We are designs for a boob report shirt that are not X-rated because all I can come with up with are X-rated ones. <laughs> yeah. Don't rip off yeah. Hooters. Miles made a <laughs> Miles made a very provocative boob report T-shirt. <laughs> It would have gotten our store taken down, so I did not put it on it there. Too, too sexy. I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hit us up on the Soch. We're so all up shit. on that Soch. Get Soched up. We're everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at H on H pod. And uh, let us know any movies you want us to do, any, any merch ideas you might have. We'll make it happen. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Miles, take it away, buddy. Well, remember, life is tough, so why not get high on hard?